are listening to the SLP Happy Hour podcast. We are a podcast that discusses the reality of being a working SLP with a dash of happy hour thrown in. Our goal is to help you find more happiness in your life and career. I'm Sarah. And I'm Sari. And today we have a special guest. An SLP is joining us from Australia. And this awesome SLP has traveled around the world providing services and now also provides SLP resources through her business, Adventures in Speech Pathology. Welcome, Rebecca Ryan King. Welcome, Rebecca. G'day. How are you guys doing? We are so excited to interview you today. Before we jump in, though, we kind of warm up with this lightning round of questions, and that will like help settle our nerves, help us get to know you a little bit. Are you up for that? Yeah, if I can ask you a question back, though, at the end, my favorite question. Yes, of course. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I have a random okay. question I like to ask, so I'll throw it back at you just to keep it up. <laughs> okay, all right. So uh, to start, where are you from originally? So I'm from Sydney, Australia. And how many countries have you lived in? I've lived in four countries, traveled to 51. Wow. Do you have a favorite? Do you know what? I think depending on like my mood. So like if I want like mountains and stuff like that, I'm going to say Scotland. If I want like that sun kind of relaxed experience, it's Samoa. And then like for something like crazy different, it's Tibet. Oh, Oh, I would love to go to Tibet. That's definitely on on the list. If there's a place that you haven't been and you were offered an expense, all expense paid trip anywhere in the world, where's your number one place that you haven't been that you'd like to go? So I really want to do something quite different and I want to go to Greenland because I've never been surrounded by ice and stuff like that. So Mm. I want to do like a really different landscape change and just, I don't know, see what's out there. Yeah, that's a great choice. I, uh, Greenland's on my list too. There's a lot oh, is on my it? List. Cool. <laughs> what is the scariest thing that you've ever done for fun, Rebecca? Um, I'm going to say backpacking solo and just oh. going out on my own um, without, this is in the days when you didn't have like mobile phones and stuff like that. And so I'm just going to say going out on my own with a backpack and just seeing where I go, where I land, what happens. Mm. That is scary to to go out and adventure all by yourself. It de- definitely takes some courage to do. I've done it. Have you done it, Sarah? I've never done it. Okay. I've never done it, and I I respect and admire people who have because I I think it's it takes a lot of bravery. Bravery in a way. I don't know if it's boredom, <laughs> you know, or just I don't know. Yeah, it's different. I don't think you have to be brave though. But I think. Once you start, once you do it once, or even if you go like for a weekend away and you do it once by yourself, I think you realize that you can, it's kind of cool to be all by yourself and mm. to be um, free, be you. Yeah. Cause you do a lot of travel, don't you? Yeah. I, I do love to travel. Yeah. I, we try to have like one trip a year. We went to Japan over spring break this year and, and that was really fun. You should leave your husband for a day and go do something for you. There you go. That can be your That's Sarah's self-care challenge. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. I'll give it a go. If I do, I'll, I will let you know um, mm. and how it went. Okay. So let's just do a couple more. Um, what's something that you would love to learn or improve on? I would love to learn Italian because both my parents were born in Italy and I only know like verbs and no, not verbs. Sorry. I don't know verbs. I only know like colors and Mm. numbers in Italian. And I think like I owe it to myself 
to actually learn another language. And I think I could pick it up pretty good because I'm a speech pathologist. So yeah. <laughs> you've got a good background for yeah. figuring out the structure of a language. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And last one, uh, uh, this is kind of related to travel, but I saw this online. It's swaking. It's a Korean word that means small, but certain happiness, things like a cup of tea or a soft puppy listening to your favorite song. What is something that creates a feeling of swaking in your day? Crystals. I actually collect crystals and I have them littered throughout my house, under my pillow, in my wallet. And so for me, just a crystal is just, I don't know, it's beautiful and it's calming and it's a good mind mindfulness thing for me. Yes, I love that. Do you put them up on your, did you say you put them in your window? Yeah, I've got them everywhere and I collect, yeah, I've got them. I'm looking at them now. I'm like surrounded by about like, Aww. I've got 10 crystals in my office at the moment and they're all for different purposes. And so, yeah, window seals, bracelets, I I just collect. That's that's a beautiful swaking. I love that one. That was unexpected, but I love it. It is unexpected. Oh, but Rebecca, you had a question for us. Well, it was just my favorite question. I love knowing what people's middle names are. Oh. So mine is Genevieve. My uh, it's my great grandmother's name, Genevieve. Sari Genevieve. Woo. <laughs> that was actually uh, um, uh, on my short list for Caroline, my um, my nine month old baby, Genevieve. Yeah. I, I do love that name. I've, I'm fond. Yeah. Of, I'm happy with that middle name. <laughs> Took forever to learn to spell though. <laughs> <laughs> and Sarah, what's your middle name? Uh, Jean. So I'm named after my grandfather, Jean. All right. Oh, that's cool. I've heard that before, actually. A couple of, like, friends, like, girlfriends I know. It's the same thing. Yeah. Grandfathers, yeah. Yeah. That is a good question. I'm going to put that. You also have to share, Rebecca. Oh, mine's Lucia, which is my nonna's name, my uh, my grandma. Um, Yeah. So I just love, usually it's, like, a really cool family connection or something like that. And so I just love knowing middle names. They're always interesting. That's a great one. Mm. My husband actually has no middle name. My dad too, and I feel so sorry for people with no middle names, just because <laughs> I love no, I love asking people when they say they don't have one. I just think, oh, that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same. <laughs> that's funny. All right. So uh, now that we thoroughly know each other, we are going to. Uh, move on to the interview and we are really focused on the topic of something that we have talked to you a little bit about um Rebecca which is that you are 80% happy with the place you are today and I just love that phrase I really attached to it so can you describe to me um what your current work is like and what makes up that 80% happiness and what that means yeah so I guess I've done so many jobs and I haven't been like really happy in some of them. Like I might've been like 30% happy or 60% happy. And so I'm at that point where I've, I'm a mum, So I have my mum job and I look after my two kids part time. And then I have my blog and my um, TPT store adventures in speech pathology. And that's where I get my real creative outlet. And then I love seeing kids still. So I'm working one day a week privately with a caseload that I'm choosing, which is, um, speech sound disorders and social communication and so I feel like I've come to that point where I'm 80% happy in my job because I'm never going to be 100% 
happy. There's always going to be parts of your job that you don't like, but I just, it's taken a while to figure out, I guess, all the right little components that make me happy at the moment. Absolutely. Do you think that 100% happiness is possible? Are you satisfied with 80%? Oh, I don't think 100% is possible. No, because you know, you know, all the report writing or, you know, like the internet cuts <laughs> out of something and you're on the phone. Just like, you know, there's all those little things that you're just like, oh, like maybe in a day you could have like a 100% happy day where you're like, this was a really good day and everything went well. But I don't think it's possible to have 100% happiness in a job. Maybe unless there's right, a unicorn SLP out there who who knows the secret, maybe. I think it would involve a lot of medication (laughs) (laughs) and maybe some denial. Yeah. And, you know, I really, I actually really like following a life coach called Brooke Castillo. And she talks a bit about, you know, if you can find 50% happiness, that's really success because there will always be like in work, angry parents, right. Mm -hmm. Or like you were saying, um, and, and in life, just surprises, stressful events, things will happen. Um, so I love that you found 80% and you're focusing on that 80% percent. Will you um, let us know a little bit more about your work history and your career as an SLP? Because I know that you have lots of interesting stop-offs and it's not necessarily like a linear uh, career and it's involved a lot of transitions. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's a lot. So I guess from the get-go, my personality is I love to travel and I love that adventure and I hate feeling stuck. And so I've always... Um, you know, every time there was a uni holiday, I'd go backpacking for a month, you know, I'd go overseas. And so that led me to study overseas for a year in England. And then I guess from there, I was always thinking, how can I be a speech pathologist and get my adventure in? Um, so it's just been one of those things at the forefront. And I always wanted to work overseas, but it is so hard to work overseas. Um, it's, it's very, very, very challenging. It's lots of paperwork and it takes a lot of time. So I decided, you know, when I finished my degree, I felt like I had just done so much work and I worked so hard that I just backpacked for a year. I just took a year off just to backpack. And I don't know, everyone said that it was the wrong move to do because I won't get a job. And, you know, I've been out for a year with no experience, but I kind of just, I just needed to do something for myself and to put myself first, I guess. I guess it's like that self-care that you guys talk about a lot, Mm. you know, like I needed this. We got, we work so hard in our studies. I mean, you guys know that it's, (laughs) it's hard being an SLP and it's hard being a student. And so I just, yeah, I went backpacking for a year and then when I came back, I needed a job. And, and and was that hard for you? Was what they said correct? Was it difficult for you to find a job after backpacking for a year? Well, I had this, mo- I had a new mindset. So the backpacking led me to have this new mindset. So I came back to Sydney and obviously it's like the biggest, uh, most populated place in Australia. So I was thinking, I've got to get a job in Sydney. You know, there's jobs everywhere and there was nothing, absolutely nothing. And so I was thinking, do you know what? I've just been backpacking for a year. Like I can live anywhere. I can do anything. You know, I've got this. And so I started looking, you know, online just to see what jobs are out there. And there was a job um, in rural remote Queensland, which is, you know, the top part of Australia. And so I, I applied for it. 
and within 10 minutes there was you know there was a phone call and I just knew I knew it was the job like I knew it was them I just had this feeling and they told me that the job had been taken and the lady said but we've got a job in Emerald would you like that and I said yes I would and she's like great we'll call you tomorrow and I hung up the phone and I just said mom I've I've got a job she's like where and I said I don't know. (laughs) I think it's in Emerald. And then we sat down and we Googled it and I had no idea. I just like, I just accepted it. And I had that, that mindset of, you know, sometimes you just need a job just to get the experience so that later on in your career, you can get the job that you really, 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 really want. And so I kind of just trusted in that process of doing the unknown and doing something scary and challenging and different just, you know, for the future, for the future me. Wow. Mm. Wow. I love that story. And talk about a true adventure that just, just taking the the job, not even knowing where the place was and looking it up. I, that is such a great story. No place That's to fantastic. stay as well. It was like, you know, it was literally pack a suitcase and turn up to this little airport and someone picked me up and I stayed at her house for a few days while I was trying to find a place to rent. So it was all, everything was a big question mark, but I kind of thrive off that. Like that's my personality and that's not everyone's personality, but that's just my personality. And so I kind of, yeah, just, just went for it. I love that. I love that. But so you didn't stay there forever. And we know that you've had some other job transitions. Can you talk about what was next for you after that job? And was it Emerald? Am yeah. I that right? Well, Emerald, like the, um, like the stone, like the gemstone, yeah, like the gemstone mm. Emerald. Yeah. So I have this thing where I get really bored and like every two years I actually change jobs and I don't know if it's bored, but I love a challenge. Like I just, if I guess if my job's the same, 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 I kind of, you know, I want to spice things up. And I guess the the travel bug kicked in a bit again as well because Emerald, it's like four hours inland and so it's just like stinking hot and when you're in a stinking hot place in Australia and the beach is four hours away, that's really tough, right, because I'm used to living near the beach. And so I thought it would be really cool to work in a developing country Um, And I know a lot of SLPs um, look at volunteering and things like that. And the Australian government had a program that is really similar to the Peace Corps that you guys have in America. And so I signed up for that and I got a, uh, a job in Samoa, which is an island. I think it's about like an hour or half an hour away from American Samoa. So a lot of people know American Samoa but then there's like another island Samoa and so I was there for a year and that was very different. So can you tell us what that experience was like working in a developing country as a speech language pathologist? Yeah and do you know what I think because I was there for a year and you really have to respect the culture and my personality is I'm like let's go in let's make all these changes and that wasn't the Samoan culture like you know, I think it was the small changes at a time. And I just had to respect that they do things differently to how I would do them. And if I want to make any difference, I have to work in with the cultural mindset and do my best. And so the way I felt that I did my best was to educate about health. And I, I made things like social stories on how to brush your teeth. And so I kind of had to use some of my SLP skills 
to do things I didn't think I would be doing. But I remember like I collected um, water bottles from the Samoan football team and I sterilized them all because my kids weren't drinking water in the day. And I was thinking, no, your brains need water. Like it's important for learning. And so I did things I didn't think I would be doing, but I think it is kind of important to let anyone else out there who is wanting to volunteer to know that we are so passionate as speech pathologists and I think we have really big picture ideas that we're going to change the world but it doesn't always translate and sometimes you just make a tiny difference but it's enough and it's big for them yeah and did you know when you were in Samoa um was that a one-year contract so you knew that you were gonna leave and try something else next or what happened after that yeah so I I met an American um, in my first month, I think. I met an American guy, a Peace Corps guy, and I fell head over heels in love. And i that's how I ended up in America. So we fell in love and he lived on a different island and he would catch a boat over to see me every two weeks. And um, it was in the days, even though like the internet and stuff was around in Samoa, I only got on the internet like every two weeks. And so everyone had like those old style Nokia phones and, um, (laughs) and you'd get like 30 free texts a day if you paid for three text messages. So it felt like back in the early nineties, right. Or, you know, like when you were teenagers (laughs) with a phone. And so I fell in love with him and I decided when my um, my contract finished, that I would find a way to go to America to see if we could last, if it was something real. Wow, you had an exotic romance. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and then you moved to America, and so then what was next? Well, it took me six months to move to America. Um, I get so many questions. This is what I get the most on my on my blog: is people desperate. To, to work overseas because I think the same, Sarah, as, you know, working in a developing country, it sounds so exotic and it sounds so meaningful, but there's a lot that happens that I don't think people talk about. And it was probably one of the most stressful six months of my life, I would say, trying to get overseas, just the process of getting to America. Um, it was thousands of dollars in money. And guys, I had to take my praxis exam and I actually pay my ASHA dues still because if I lapse my ASHA dues, um, I have to take the praxis exam again if I want to move back to America. And so that's my reason for keeping up my certification is um, that dreaded praxis. So yeah, it took me six months to work in America. And again, I had to just lucky dip it. Like I said, I don't care where I work, like just put me wherever you want to put me. I don't care. I just want to get a job in America. So again, I just left it up to the hands of whoever to decide where they were going to put me. And I just, I just let it happen. And I landed a school job, um, in Washington state near you guys, just north of you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you're a private practice owner like me, you know how important it is to have practice management software that helps you schedule, bill, and saves you time. 
Fusion Web Clinic is an all-in-one practice management software designed specifically for pediatric speech therapists, physical therapists, and occupational therapists who need to save time and streamline their practice. With unlimited customer support, free onboarding, and an ever-growing set of features, thousands of therapists across the country use Fusion every day. We've got a special URL for a free demo and a $50 credit at fusionwebclinic.com slash slphappyhour. SLP Happy Hour is also sponsored by the Informed SLP. As speech-language pathologists, we depend upon good research to serve our clients well. We strive to use evidence-based practice. But how much time do we really have to search for new evidence? Reading research articles is time-consuming. Let the Informed SLP save you time by finding the research for you. They search all of the top speech-language pathology journals each month looking for the articles that are highly relevant to your daily practice. They provide you with plain language summaries of the most clinically applicable research. It's how smart SLPs do EVP. Join now at theinformedslp.com slash slphappyhour and enter the code slphappyhour at checkout for 50% off of your first three months. Um, and so I landed in Washington State and I landed at the airport and I was just told that someone was going to pick me up and I was going to like stay on their couch. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I, it was very, you know, um, not the way I thought I'd start. And so I landed on, you know, someone's couch and then I checked my email and I found out that my school had been changed. And this was two weeks into the school year because of my visa took a while. Um, I started like mid-September. So I think it was like week two or week three, week two or week three of school. And so then, yeah, I found out that the school job that I thought I had with the caseload I was told I had, had been completely changed. And I wasn't expecting that at all. Wow. You seem like you go with the flow really no, well. No, I stress. I do, but I stress. I stress. Like I'm a stressor, but I do go with the flow. I don't know how it works because, yeah, you'd, you'd think I'd be really calm and chill, but I feel like I'm highly strung, but I can go with it. Um, and I remember mm. I cried so much on my first day of school. Like my husband picked me up from the car park and I just remember crying saying like, I don't want to go to school anymore. Like I don't like school because the job was not what I had, ex what I expected at all. It was just, it, it really threw me the school-based, um, speech pathology job. Yeah, it's such a challenge to get into the schools if it's not where you start. I know a lot of people are like, you know, if you're going to start as a CF somewhere, just do a year in the schools because it's so hard to transition back into it. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of factors for that, right? It's like, what is your caseload? You know, in your case, your school got changed, but also there are so many legal things and paperwork pieces that... Um, you don't always get trained on per se. Uh, so it's, it's a big jump to just dive into the schoolwork. So tell us a little more about your schoolwork. So I just, I wanted to pick up on what you were saying about the different, um, the, 
the difference that a school is. So because I'd been practicing for six years, I felt like I knew how to do an assessment. I knew how to do therapy, but working in the schools and working in another country, I had no idea what like IDEA was and HIPAA and, you know, all these terms that you guys know, IEPs, all that stuff. I had no idea. Like that to me was just terms thrown at me and I had a caseload of 90 which I had no idea that that was possible I would never dreamt that you could have 90 kids on a caseload um, and I was I was thrown I was completely thrown that that this is how it was done because I'm I was used to working one-on-one in like a family centered practice where you'd see six kids a day you know 30, 40 kids a week. And so just getting your head around a school and the politics and making friends and understanding it all, it's it was actually one of the biggest cultural changes that, that I've ever experienced, even though I've been to so many different countries. Wow. Wow, that is really good. And that makes a lot of sense. Like, even though I worked a lot in schools, when I took my first school job, there were still some things that I didn't know and had to adjust to. So you transitioned into school from from there, and then you worked in the U.S., and then what happened? Well, I like seeing the kids, right? But, you know, I'm kind of always searching for, like, my happiness and my happy place, and I've really, really loved teenagers. And I loved working with kids with social communication challenges. And so while I was in my job, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to try to seek that change. And so I asked the special education um, department if they could give me a middle school or a high school so that I could get a bit more balance. And so in my second year there, I did, I took on a middle school. And I got like that excitement a bit more back in my job because I was actually seeing a caseload and working more with students that I had a special interest in. And so that's something I guess throughout all my jobs I do. If I'm kind of stuck or not happy, I kind of think, all right, like what can I do? How can I make this happier? Can I, can I change my setting? Um, I was really upset, I guess, in my elementary caseload. I had all these kids with speech sound disorders and I felt like we weren't making progress. So I started doing, you know, that five minutes a day speech instead of just seeing a kid for like 30 minutes. And so I started to get my pep back, like, yeah, I'm making a difference and this can kind of happen. So at the end of my two years, I was actually much happier working in a school because I had found a way to be happy. Good for you. That that takes a lot of resourcefulness and problem solving skills to figure out what uh, what's it's going to take to change the job and make it a fit for you. And this is the time you shared with us that you started your blog. So uh, what year was this? But also, um, what were you thinking when you started a blog? Like what did uh, what was your purpose? Um, was it intimidating for you? Was it exciting um, for you? Tell us a little more about that. Yeah, so when I was in America, I didn't really have many friends because I was in a brand new country. And so my husband worked late and I just had, I had all this time up my sleeve. You know, you have a school job and I was home at four o'clock and 
I had no resources really in my room. And so I was plugging away, doing so much board maker stuff, just creating, creating, creating. And I thought this would be really, really good to share with other people. I'm making it anyway. And then another piece was that because I had traveled so much and, you know, I'd managed to move to America, I thought people might like to find out information about how to work overseas as a speech pathologist. So that's how that Adventures in Speech Pathology came in, like, you know, being around the world a little bit in the job. And so, yeah, I started making free resources and sharing them and sharing a lot of my travel stories. And, um, and yeah, that was me for a couple years until I moved to Australia and I just I actually put a pause on my whole blog. I had it down for three years because I just felt like, it wasn't who I was anymore. I was wanting to move to Australia and I just needed a new focus. And I guess that travel side of things wasn't, it didn't feel like me anymore. So tell me a bit about, you know, for all of us, there are times where we're doing something and we have to stop. Um, but for you, you started back up again. So how did you know when it was time to start your blog back up again? And how did that happen? I Creating for me is such it's such an outlet and it is, it's a real self-care thing. And so I just realized, do you know what? I love speech sound disorders and I love making stuff. Why not, why not share again? And so it was a really, it was, it was really humbling to, to go back and say, do you know what? I know I quit something and I felt like I was brave to quit back then, but I thought it's kind of even braver to say, do you know what? I'm not going to quit anymore. I'm, I'm coming back. And so my little one was um, nine months old at the time and I just I just felt like I missed writing and I missed blogging and I had all this content that I worked so hard for on my blog and I just thought it's such a shame. Like I put so much work into that and it was such a big part of my life. Um, and now that I was in a new phase and I was working, you know, in, in a new job, I just kind of felt like I had a message to share and I had things I wanted to create to help other SLPs. And so I just, you know, I just dove headfirst and, you know, re rebranded myself, re, you know, put myself back out there again. Okay. okay. Then you restarted the blog. Okay. So you're back in Australia. Will you catch us up um, as far as your career um, from the time you moved back to Australia started the blog back up and then, but the blog was not your full-time gig, gig at this point. You were doing other work. No. Yeah. So I did a six month, st a six week stint in a private practice and I left. Um, I left after six weeks because it was not the place I wanted to work. And I've got that personality. You guys can kind of tell I've got that personality where if, if I don't like something, I'm not going to do it. And I'm going to seek my happiness. Like I'm going to find what I like. And I just, I could not work in this place that I was in. And so I left that job, um, which was scary because I didn't have a job to go to, but I just knew that I, if something was going to work out. And so I started working in another private practice and I guess because they knew I had this love for speech sound disorders and the social communication piece, I started picking up a lot of those kids on my caseload. And that was actually like the majority of my caseload. Um, and so, yeah, I just started working privately three days a week and I had, um, yeah, my little one, my little one. So when she slept, I, I was computering. 
Wow. And is this around when you started your TPT store? Yeah. Yeah. This was all then. And so it was up early mornings, like up at five o'clock in the morning and in bed at 10. Um, I put in so many hours of work back then just to, you know, get things going. And, you know, there was lots of times where I wanted to quit that as well. Um, it's, it's really hard, I think, at the start um, you know, of this TPT career. And it, for now it is a career for me. Like it's, I feel like it's like my full-time job now, but you know, back then I remember when I first opened up my store, you know, for the first month I didn't even sell anything. And then, you know, I made $3 one day and it was like, wow, you know, that's $3 <laughs> <laughs> all the hours I spent and I made $3. So, um, it, 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 it was very hard for the first few years, but now I feel like I found my passion, which is speech sound disorders. And so I create for that. And that's why I think I am so happy doing that because I'm making what I love. And um, when I see my kids now privately, you know, I'll be like, oh, I wish I had something like that. And then I think, oh, I can make that. And then I guess that's how that's how my life is at the moment. I think your story is so great. And there's a lot of themes here of transitions and, and specifically transitions around finding your own happiness. So can you talk a little bit about that point at which you know that you should probably make a change? There's a lot of fear there because I think that there will be people listening who think, okay, well, I've thought about leaving, but I'm afraid. Or I'm not sure if I should, you know, I, I feel a bit unhappy, but I'm not sure what to do. Um, did you have those feelings for any of your transitions or did you feel a sense of peace and certainty? What was going from transition to transition like for you? Yeah, there was definitely, I knew I needed a transition because I feel like for maybe like three or four months I was, I was unhappy and just stuck. And if I couldn't find a way out of it, as in like, you know, getting a new caseload or, or changing things up, I just, I just, I just sought it. Like I just, I just went out there and I'm one of those people that believe that everything kind of happens for a reason. And so like, if I apply for a job and I get it, I get it. If I don't, then I don't. And I wasn't supposed to. And so I just think that you have to really put yourself out there. And it was one of those things, I guess it's one of those life lessons from backpacking and being on my own all the time. I just realized that no one can make me happy. I've got to figure out a way to make myself happy and I've got to do it on my own. Like I've got to have that initiative. I can't just wait for something to be handed to me. I've got to do it myself. And so, I mean, I guess a small little thing, for example, when I worked in the schools in America and I see it a lot on social media that speech pathologists can feel isolated and maybe not have a lot of friendships or, you know, like they can feel a bit underappreciated. And I guess the biggest thing that I did was I tried to be friends with everyone. Like I'd talk to the receptionist, the admin ladies, you know, the lunch lady, like I'd start conversations with everyone. I'd ask people, Hey, it's lunch. Can I sit with you? And I really just, you know, had to put myself out there to try to be happy. So I think, um, you can make teeny, teeny little changes. It doesn't have to be big, like changing a job, but I think we have the power to make ourselves happier in a job. We have the power. Quote. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask you another question. <laughs> um, and 
when people are considering a job change, because I would consider you our, you know, resident job change expert. I mean, think of all of these job changes that you've discussed today. Uh, often people will think, okay, but wherever I go, there I am, right? So maybe this is my fault that I, I don't like this, or maybe this is my fault that I can't keep up with the work, or maybe uh, I should be doing more self-care to be happier. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Um, I still think, I still think, I think if you find your passion, I think if you figure out what your passion is, you figure out what you actually really, really, really love about your job like it could be you love taking data or you love analyzing um like I love analyzing I love getting like an assessment and going through and analyzing like what's going on like that's one of my favorite 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 things to do so I think you if you just find that tiny little thing that makes you really really happy and figure out how you can expand upon that you can still do it within your job to get happier I just think you've got to find out what you really like to do or what makes you kind of, what gives you that bounce about your job and then try to figure out a way how you can tip the scales in your favor a bit more to make that more part of your everyday. And since we're talking about 80% happier today and you're talking about, you know, making these small tweaks in your career, like for example, your story isn't, I did A and then I did B and everything was fine, right? We've got like probably yeah. 12 steps here. Um, What's a, what's a small step uh, that someone can take to increase their own happiness? Do you have a self-care challenge for us? Yes, yes. So it's to go outside. It's pretty simple. I think we're stuck inside all the time. And if you have that SLP room and it's like a room in a room, you know, like, and you have no windows, I think it does stuff to your brain. And I think instead of eating your lunch in a lunchroom or something like that, just stand outside in the sun or even when I'm at home and I'm working, I go outside in the backyard and I'll have a coffee out in my backyard just so I'm seeing trees and I'm hearing birds. And I think just being outside and being more present, it's calming and it's soothing. So my challenge is just to get get out, go out, talk to some trees, <laughs> listen to birds. Yeah. To be, yeah, to be outside, but to be present while you're outside. It's some... Yeah, yeah. So Rebecca, do you have anything that you're working on right now, a goal or a project that you're working on? Yeah, oh, I have so many. It's not funny. I actually have this list in my office and it's ideas and I have 27 ideas. I had to count them up last <laughs> night. I had 27 ideas. But the biggest thing that I'm working on is I feel like people think phonology is super scary and it doesn't have to be. And so at the moment I'm making some phonological therapy handouts and it's a really simple handout and what it does is it lets parents know why we're doing what we're doing because I feel like because I work a lot with parents I feel like they would sit and look at me and, and think why is she saying key t like why is she doing that you know with minimal pairs and things and so I I just have this real um, idea that I love to empower and educate parents and make them part of therapy so yeah, I'm trying to integrate that into my practice a little bit more. And um, yeah, that's my that's my big goal at the moment, translating phonology. <laughs> I've got one more question for you, Rebecca. So we've, we've, we've been talking a lot about transitions. Do you have any tips to share about what can make transitions easier? Yeah, you have to ask for help and not be afraid. Like it's, I think 
we feel like we can do it all by ourselves, or you have to sit there and Google something for two hours or try to figure it out. And that's not the case. People love to help. And I don't think you have to be apologetic. So you know, in all my jobs, I think that first month is going to be a learning experience. And I let, you know, the staff or my colleagues know, look, I'm going to be asking you questions a lot. Um, Bear with me, I just want to get comfortable. And I don't think you need to be apologetic, like, oh, I'm so sorry, but can you show me how to, you know, open up this program or something like that. I think you just have to ask for help and put it out there that you're going to need help and support at the start. And, um, and don't be afraid, you know, like you want to start off feeling good. You don't want to start off with question marks and not knowing how to do anything. So I think it is okay to ask for help and yeah, just, just ask, 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 ask. Yes. I love that. And I I think it, it's a good reminder that most people do love to help. I I find that that's true. All right, Rebecca, well, where can our listeners find you online if they want to get to know more about you or get access to some of the resources you share? So everything is Adventures in Speech Pathology. I have a website, I have an Instagram page and a Facebook and Pinterest. Yes, all of those typical sites. Um, yeah, that's where I am. It's very, very long. I know when you type it in um, and actually a funny story if I can um, uh-huh. share it, is when I first created my blog, I actually spelt pathology wrong. I left out one of the O's. <laughs> so for the first six months, I was adventures in speech pathology. <laughs> and I Googled, when I Googled myself one day, like I was trying to find my site. I'm like, why isn't it coming up? And then I was like, oh, I chose a very long name. <laughs> so it's a mouthful, but you'll, you'll find me there. I love it though. And it perfectly describes your adventures in your speech pathology career. It's, it's a great name. I love it. (laughs) And that's our show for today. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for coming on and sharing all about your adventures in speech pathology. If you liked this episode, remember to review us on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to this podcast. And if you know someone who could benefit from this conversation today, maybe even an SLP looking at resources or looking for more information about career transitions, please share this episode with them. If you want to connect with us, you can visit our website, slphappyhour.com, or find us on social media as SLP Happy Hour. We hope you enjoyed the show and that this was a little slice of an SLP Happy Hour for you. We've enjoyed recording it. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Hey folks, instead of a blooper at the end of this episode, you get the pleasure of learning about Australian accents. And Rebecca Ryan King is going to give us a perfect demonstration of uh, some of her Australian accent in comparison to our, uh, what we generally call a flat American accent. So uh, one, one example to start is bear. Bear. And beer. Bee. Idea? I think it's the same. Idea. What do you call a friend? A mate. Mate. No. Mate. Yes. yes. Mate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, what's a normal greeting in Australia? Like, what do you pick up the phone and say? 
Oh, you do say, oh, I love saying g'day. I don't think I ever pick yeah. up the phone to say g'day, but when I see people, I love saying g'day. And I find it's very hard for Americans to say g'day. I've been trying to teach my husband for six, seven years <laughs> and he can't do it. G'day. <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It's the names. It's the American names that get me. So like Don and Dawn, those mm. two are different for me. So Don is the male name and then Dawn is the female but I think oh. you guys say, when you guys say the male name, Don, it sounds like Don, sounds like female to me. So I get confused when I meet people. Yeah. And I think we just, we don't differentiate. We say Don and Don for yes, both. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And female. Yeah. Um, Craig, that one, that, that sounds like Craig, like C-R-E-G. That's what I, that's what I hear. Yep. And Craig. I'm like, it's Craig. Yep. It's not Craig. It's an A-I <laughs> in there. It's a diphthong. <laughs> That is correct. It's a diphthong, people. Right. Yeah. 